This is the Healthier You Podcast from UPMC Pinnacle. When we think about having a baby, many people think of all the love and joy they bring into our lives. But if we're being honest, babies can also bring a lot of emotional stress too. Today we'll be talking about perinatal mood disorders and the range of emotions new and expectant mothers might feel before and after their pregnancy. Here with us to discuss is Dr. Nazanin Silver, a gynecologic psychiatrist of women's behavioral health at UPMC Pinnacle. Dr. Silver, it's a pleasure to have you here today. So many of us have heard of postpartum depression before, but this is actually the first time I'm hearing the term perinatal mood disorder. So can you start by telling us what that is? Sure. Uh, just a, a quick little background um, about myself and what a gynecologic psychiatrist is. Um, uh, I am double boarded in obstetrics and gynecology and urogynecology. So uh, I've retrained in psychiatry and this covers essentially the reproductive health cycle of a woman and mood disorder. Specifically, perinatal mood disorders are disorders that start from the point of conception, so from the moment you conceive to one up to one year after birth. And they include um, things like depression and bipolar disorder. And that can vary in range from major depressive disorder to just postpartum blues to bipolar affective disorder, which also includes elevations of mood. I see. So you mentioned two of the most common things that we see. What are kind of the most common signs that you see when this disorder is manifesting itself? It sounds like that postpartum depression is just a part of the perinatal mood disorders. But can you talk about maybe specifically some of the uh, more common things that you're seeing? Sure, absolutely. That's correct. Postpartum depression is is a segment of a, a part of the perinatal mood disorder. Some of the symptoms when you are depressed are as follows. Um, lack of interest in activities you used to find fun, um, just feeling down, uh, feeling irritable, agitated, crying a lot, um, something called anhedonia, um, lack of energy. In addition, it can affect your sleep, so you can either sleep too much or sleep too little. It can affect your appetite. You either eat too much or not eat enough. Um, and just an overall lack of interest in life, uh, lack of motivation. Those are some of the more common signs. Some of the more serious signs can lead into things like psychosis, so imagining things, having thoughts that are not true, thinking they are true, and suicidal ideation, so self-harm or harming even the um, thoughts of harming the baby. And, and these can be really scary thoughts for um, women and their families. But they're actually a real uh, problems that exist. Um, as you had mentioned, having a baby is, uh, you know, something wonderful. But the reality of it is, it's a huge adjustment, both physically, hormonally, and emotionally, with on everyone involved, especially the mother. Yeah, just related to that, um, you know, I imagine for a lot of women, it's pretty tough to admit that they're having a hard time with these emotions because it is supposed to be such a happy time and a joyous occasion. Do you find this to be the case? Absolutely, and I think that that's the uh, that's the unfortunate stigma about mental health out there. Is, you know, after you have a baby, you're supposed to be so happy and elated. Well, having a baby is a big deal. It's a big deal on the physical body of a woman, on the emotional health of a woman, 
you know, you're going from all these physical changes to suddenly caring for another human being, not sleeping, being worried, being tired, um, not being able to care for yourself because you've got to care for this other um, human being, and all these emotional uh, things going on within your body that you may think, well, why am I not happy? This is a blessing. It is a blessing, but there's also a lot of other things going on. Being a mom is not an easy job. It certainly is not. And like you said, it's something that manifests itself uh, right at conception, and it can last after the pregnancy. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. You know, we hear a lot about postpartum depression, but truthfully, it can start with, from conception all the way to one year out. Postpartum is, most people think of postpartum as just a few months after delivery. That's actually incorrect. It can last all the way to one year after. Wow. So it can actually affect you for some time. And it's it's really good to know um, and hearing uh, you speak about it today that this is very normal. Um, do you have, happen to have any um, percentages or statistics about how many women this affects? Yes, absolutely. So um, in general, from the postpartum perspective, it can affect anywhere from 5 to 20% of women. That's the postpartum depression part. Postpartum blues, which usually last from about two, from postpartum day two, to four and resolve within two weeks, that can affect up to 85% of new moms. So it's not a small number. Um, furthermore, you know, up to 70% of women report symptoms of depression during their pregnancy. So, you know, these are real numbers, real stats, and, and something that um, we deal with on a regular basis. I've mentioned psychosis before, um, you know, thought dis- which means essentially hallucinations, disturbed sleep, thought disorganization, confusion, agitation. That can affect only about 0.1, 0.2% of all women. However, it is a psychiatric emergency, and it is associated with an increased risk of suicide, um, infant neglect, and um, harming the baby. So those are important things to keep in mind. In, in addition, one of the strongest risk factors for depression during pregnancy is a history of depression. So if you or someone you know had a history of depression and is pregnant and or has delivered, their risk of being depressed again is <clears throat> much higher than somebody who has not had that issue. And, um, you know, talking about if they're on medication, if they decide because they're pregnant, discontinuing medication, that increases the risk of relapse um, <clears throat> 68%. So we're talking about big numbers here. Wow, those are definitely big numbers. I, I actually can't believe that the numbers are that high, but I think it's also potentially reassuring to the people listening that they are not alone if this is something that they are experiencing. So y- you mentioned um, if there was a previous history of depression and um, of taking medication that you know, you're know you more prone to having some of these disorders. Is there anything else um, that maybe might predispose uh, a patient to having some of these things besides what you mentioned? Absolutely. Poor social support. You know, if they've had, um, if women have had multiple children, if the pregnancy is unintended, social isolation, history of trauma. You know, if, if a woman is younger, um, when you're younger, you don't have the same uh, maturity level as somebody who's older and more experienced. So that can certainly increase um, your risk, domestic violence, and also birth complications. Those can all be risk factors that are associated with it. Rapid changes in estradiol which and progesterone, which are hormones associated um, with postpartum depression, can also um, affect it. And thyroid, when you have thyroid dysfunction, that can also affect 
um, mood disorders within pregnancy and thereafter. And women are not alone. So that's, that's the one thing I want to really stress is you're not alone. You're not the only one. Women have been suffering in silence for years, for decades, for hundreds of years. Um, and so what we're trying to do is really educate the public about this so that they can seek help because it is something um, that is uh, not uncommon um, and something that is treatable and you don't have to suffer in silence. Yeah, that's why I'm so glad that we're talking about this today. So let's let's talk about getting help. So if someone listening to this is struggling with some of these symptoms, what do you recommend that they do for themselves? So if they're struggling with these symptoms, I recommend that they seek help. Um, you know, one of the most important things is to see a psychiatrist, um, a behavioral health specialist. And unfortunately, there's a huge stigma that goes behind being a psychiatrist, Um in our society, which is really saddening, but, um, you know, seek help. She, seek help. You just pick up the phone, um, you know, find out if there's a psychiatrist that deals with these kinds of conditions nearby. And I'm sure most psychiatrists do. And there are psychiatrists like myself that specialize purely in women's mental health related to from menses all the way to menopause, including pregnancy and infertility that can really help you and diagnose these conditions and, and help you and your family and your child. Without a healthy mother, there is no healthy baby. Yes, absolutely. And so if someone wants to get help, you're saying just pick up the phone and look for a psychiatrist, but one that specifically specializes in women's um, behavioral health, right? And that's that's kind of what you do at uh, UPMC Pinnacle. Can you talk about some of the benefits um, that you offer if someone called you and uh, were to, to visit with you? Absolutely. Um, most psychiatrists are trained to deal with this, although uh, a lot of psychiatrists may feel uncomfortable because the woman is pregnant. However, um, in our practice, both my husband and I, David Silver and myself, um, we are, as I mentioned, former OBGYNs and have a number of years in practice, so we've retrained in psychiatry related to women's behavioral health. And what we specialize in is exactly what we've been discussing. So from Mensi, so if you have a 14-year-old girl who's having mood disorders and is going through puberty, that's right up our alley to pregnancy and postpartum, mood disorders within um, those conditions, to infertility, to pregnancy loss um, and having mood disorders uh, with that, um, to uh, menopause and um postmenopausal perceived cognitive decline. So thinking that, you know, you, you, your uh, cognitive function is going down um, and during your menopausal years to, um, you know, cancer and dealing with cancer and um, mood disorders related to that and fertility preservation related to cancer. Um, but specifically for what we're talking about right now, perinatal mood disorders, that's exactly what we deal with. Um, we are trained in that, and we have retrained in psychiatry, so we've got both the medical and the physical aspects, um, and, and we can help you. You can call, make an appointment with the Women's Behavioral Health um, Center at UPMC Pinnacle, and we generally make an effort to see patients within two weeks of their phone call and come in for an assessment. Give us a call, and we come in for an evaluation, and we can discuss things from there. We have therapists in our practice that will be doing purely therapy. We will be doing therapy as well and medication management, but just come in for an assessment. 
everything is confidential and will stay um, within our uh, practice. And so privacy is very much respected. You know, I love that. And I think the most important takeaway from this conversation is that you are not alone and it doesn't hurt to pick up the phone just to get assessed because those emotions that you're feeling are real. And the stats that you mentioned of affecting over 70% of women are staggering. And it just tells us that it's normal and help is out there. So thank you so much for educating us today. For more information on women's behavioral health issues, please visit upmcpinnacle.com. That's upmcpinnacle.com. My guest today has been Dr. Nazanin Silver. I'm Prakash Chandran. Thank you so much for listening.